Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Since the fall of man, a war has raged between good and evil. Over the centuries, this war has distorted the truth. Now the truth is perceived as lies, and lies acknowledged as truth. To this day, the battle continues as we investigate and debate the truth behind the history and mystery of the universe. We are Paratruth Radio. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And you are listening to Paratruth Radio. Welcome, welcome, welcome to all of our para fans. We are so glad that you have joined us tonight for another live episode of Paratruth Radio. First and foremost, before we get into tonight's discussion, I'd like to pass on a little information. First of all, facebook.com forward slash Paratruth Radio. You can find us there. You read, you'll get all kinds of information about the upcoming episodes. Um, you'll see behind-the-scenes footage, so on and so forth. So check us out there. Uh, like us, share us, and uh, just join us on this ride that we call Paratruth Radio. Also, if you're tuning in uh, via Spreaker, join us on Paratruth.com. And not only do you listen to, can you listen to the show live there, but you can also jump into the chat room and you can participate with the show itself. You can ask, uh, you can ask us questions. You can ask our listeners questions, and really just participate in all that we have to offer. Uh, for those of you who are on Paratruth.com, you can also join us on Spreaker uh, today, or you know, another time in the future. If you happen to miss a live episode, you can always catch us on Spreaker or Paratruth.com. Um, later on in the show, we will have an opportunity for people to call in. That'll probably be around last 20, 25 minutes. And that number I'm going to give you right now, and I'll give it to you again later in the show, but that phone number is 401-204-4547. Also, for future reference, you can hit us up at paratruthradio at gmail.com. There, you can ask us anything you want to any types of questions, if you have any ideas for upcoming shows, uh, new topics, uh, authors that you'd like us to get in contact with, let us know. Send us an email. We'll connect with you. Next, very special episode uh, of The Fourth Watch was on this past Thursday. Justin and I were special guests, and we discussed urban legends. And that was on The Fourth Watch with Justin Fowle. And you could check out that show at Spreaker.com forward slash The Fourth Watch or simply type in the fourth watch on your Google, and you'll come across his name uh, and his radio show. It's pretty pretty easy to find, uh, but it's a great episode, so you're definitely going to want to check that out. Also, for future reference, next Sunday, I believe it is six o'clock. I think um, <clears throat> we yeah, will be on six. Eastern. It is six. Okay, six Eastern. Uh, we're going to be guest speakers on another radio show called Deception Detection Show with Kay and Jerry. And that is also going to be on Spreaker.com. So that's something you're definitely definitely going to want to tune in for. Uh, we have been friends with Jerry for a long time, and it's just going to be a great, great time. So with that said, I think it's time to start today's show. 
I think it is as well, and it's kind of exciting that uh, we're actually having guest appearances on other people's shows. <laughs> it's, it's a first for us, I believe. It is. So, yes, it is. So, um, all right, folks. You know, we have a bunch of great things happening here at Paratruth Radio. We're really happy that you guys join us every single week. Uh, without our listeners, we would not have a show. So I just want to say thank you to our listeners, especially to our listeners in our hometowns of Bismarck and uh, Lynchburg. So uh, thank you so much, as well as... Uh, do want to give a thank you to both Savannah and Shelly who support us uh, numerous hours going into this, these shows. So I want to say thank you to them as well. Um, Agreed. Mm-hmm. So tonight we have a very special guest on. We have Gordon Melton, author of The Vampire Book. Gordon, how are you today? Doing real well. Good, 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 good. So uh, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about you and uh, how you got started in writing in uh, the paranormal? Oh, that's, that's, that's a big question. We got three hours. You <laughs> Just give me the short version, I guess I should say. <laughs> oh, I, I got interested in things paranormal uh, in my early years back in the the 50s and 60s uh if you can believe that i'm that old now uh, uh i got into to things vampiric uh basically through reading vampire novels and see watching vampire movies I, I i can remember when the old hammer movies came out and i saw them when they hit the theaters rather than on video if you uh, can believe but during my college years, I got interested in the in the larger world of the paranormal, and uh, that uh, pursued that uh, uh, quite a bit. Uh, uh, the during the 1960s, of course, uh, paranormal was was big news, and uh, it was uh, that was when we were beginning to get what became known as the New Age movement, and uh, the like, and uh, all of that was fascinating to me way back then. I went on to to graduate school, got my Ph.D. in the uh, in 1975, and uh, and I've been writing about uh, things religious and spiritual and paranormal and the like uh, ever since. So, you started um, way back when, and now. This book has been through three editions, correct? Uh, three major editions and a, and a couple of uh, lesser ones. Uh, yeah, the, the original edition came out in 94, and the second edition in 98, and then uh, more recently the third edition. Okay, and like there's so much information in, the bo- in this book, you guys, so like... <laughs> How how did the first differ from the third? Was there like a lot of major changes to the third edition, or yes, uh, the the book was uh, was put together because uh, as I got really interested in vampires back in the eighties, uh, my I'd, I'd been interested all along, but my interest level uh, was peaking. Uh, I realized that there was just a lot of misinformation about uh, 
vampire folklore and history and the like. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you could write almost anything about vampires and get it published at that time. And that I thought a, a good reference book uh, on vampires would would be a nice thing to have. And um, the company I worked for then, a company in Detroit called Gale Research, uh, decided that uh, that would be a good thing also. So I spent two years writing it in 93 and 94, and it, it came out in the fall of 94. Uh, what we did with the second and third edition is sort of wait long enough to where there had been enough changes and enough new developments that uh, it was worth bringing out new editions. So each edition has been slightly larger, and we've been able to go through, and um, particularly from the first to the second edition, we corrected some mistakes, and the third edition has just been expanded. Uh, so it's it's the biggest text of all, as you can tell. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's two inches thick, so it's, it's a pretty big book. <laughs> Now, I'd like to get right into some of the uh, topics that you cover in the book. And one in particular that I came across that just really interests me is the mythology in India, and in particular, a goddess known as Kali. Can you tell us a little bit about that particular uh, goddess and what you found on them? Uh, Well, Kali is uh, the center of one of the major three worship groups in India. Uh, we have what we call the Vaishnavas, who worship uh, Krishna and Vishnu, and that we know uh, we know them here because of the Hare Krishnas. Those are Vaishnava Hindus, and then we have the Saivites. They're the ones who practice yoga, mm-hmm. and the the third group, uh, uh, Kali, is is a female deity, whereas uh, the other two groups worship basically male deities. Uh, and Kali is uh, a female deity, but a female deity with a dark side. And so all of the things that we think of in terms of, of uh, vampires, uh, the getting into the dark side of our psyche, uh, that's what Kali represents. Um, she's a female. She has fangs. She drinks blood. Uh, she wears a a necklace made out of skulls. She hangs out in, in uh, uh, cemeteries. Uh, so she's, she's kind of an epitome of uh, what in the West we have seen as the vampire and, um, and very, very popular in India and has a growing popularity here in the United States. There's, there's actually several Kali temples. The biggest one is right outside Washington, D.C. in suburban Maryland. Oh. One of uh, one of the points of interest that I came across because I was flipping through, uh, you know, and I saw you know the Christianity and vampirism, but then I also saw the cult of the vampire. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, there, there are two uh, groups in the U.S. that kind of make worship and the vampire kind of fit together. They're both West Coast groups. And both of them are magical groups where they worship uh, uh, the self and uh, magical autonomous person. And they see in the vampire the sort of epitome 
of uh, a person who is in control, in control of their own life, in control of their immediate surroundings, and in control of the forces necessary to bring them to whatever they want to do and be in this life. And uh, both of them are relatively small groups, but uh, they've survived over the years. I uh, know just a few months ago I finally found a copy in a huge bookstore of the Vampire Bible, as they call it, which is uh, the handbook of the, the cult of the vampire. And it's, uh, uh, it's a basical magical textbook of, of how to do magic and how to, to uh, turn your life into one in which you're in control of, of the forces around you. Huh. Uh, one, one of probably the most popular types of uh, vampires that personal, personally uh, I and Justin have come across in the paranormal, and it's been broadcasted on news networks as well, especially up in uh, the Cleveland area, New York City, and a couple of other different areas. Uh, it's really mainstream in the occult nowadays, and that's something known as the psychic vampire. Uh, right. First and foremost, can you give us a little bit of information on just what a psychic vampire is, and do you think there's any validity as to there being any true power there and them being capable of what they're doing? I I think if there is anything to the vampire myth, the psychic vampire is is where that truth lies. Um, The the idea with vampirism, uh, as we've come to know it, is a vampire is... Uh, a being that uh, consumes the blood of its victim. Uh, And the theory is is that the blood carries the victim's life force and that that Mm -hmm. it's not so much the substance of the blood, but it's the life force it carries that uh, is the real heart of what vampirism is all about. Uh, What a psychic vampire does is just directly, uh, like a sponge, suck up the life force of its uh, victim. And what we have seen in our uh, own day, especially in the last generation, uh, is a group of people who claim to be vampires, real vampires, mm-hmm. and their vampirism is really psychic vampirism. They feel that uh, when they... Uh, move into, say, a room of people, go to a party, that uh, there are people there that they can suck their life energy and that they need that life energy to survive. They, they, they live off of it rather than the food they eat or uh, what they, whatever they drink. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and and there, there, there's something to that. Uh, um, <clears throat> I know when I was... Uh, in my younger years, I got involved in spiritual healing. And the theory behind spiritual healing is that you channel life energy uh, and you send it out to other people, and that energy is, is what does the healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, psychic vampirism would simply be the reverse of that. Instead of sending energy, you would draw it into yourself uh, instead of channeling it you would draw it in and use it uh, for your your own good and there's a, a, a bunch of, uh, of uh, 
people running around who consider themselves psychic vampires. Uh, I, I know one who lives in suburban Cleveland. There's <laughs> uh, a woman named Michelle Bellinger who uh, mm-hmm. lives in, I think it's Euclid, it's a Cleveland suburb. Yeah, and, uh, I know of her. And uh, written a lot of books and, um, uh, you know, in, in, her, in and of herself, nice, nice woman. Um, <clears throat> and also... Uh, uh, struggles with the ethical issues involved in vampirism. I've written a book on how a psychic vampire can also be an ethical being. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tom. I think uh, we'll take our first break, folks. You are listening to Paratruth Radio. Uh, if you're listening on Spreaker.com, come on over to ParatruthRadio.com. We have our chat open and we would love to hear from you and i'm sure you guys have plenty of questions for our guest as well as uh, ourselves if you are listening on spreaker uh, you also can listen on the spreaker app on your smartphone you just type in paratruth radio and you can find us that way as well so uh, we'll be right back after a few commercials this is bill hall author of the book the world's most haunted house and you're listening to Paratruth Radio. When I grow up, I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's first computer. When I grow up, I want to be a glass countertop in a new home. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's best birthday present. When I grow up, I want to be a football stadium. When I grow up, I want to be a warm place on a cold day. When I grow up, I want to be a fancy back squash. I want to be a bike that races around the when country. When I grow up, I want to be a bench on a forest when I trail. Grow up, I want to be a rocking chair on when a sunny I grow up, porch. I want to be a skyscraper. I want to be a. I want to be. I want to be. I want to be. I want to be. When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me, I won't be. Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org. A public service advertisement brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council. This is the sound of salmonella gyrating on your undercooked chicken. And it looks like mom might be taking it out a little early. Don't let salmonella get funky with your chicken. On average, one in six Americans will get a foodborne illness this year. So use a thermometer to cook each type of meat to the right temperature. Keep your family safe at foodsafety.gov. Brought to you by the USDA, HHS, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to The Dog Show. Up next, we have Satchmo. Satchmo is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right, a group known especially for their couch-snuggling, ball-chasing, face-licking, tail-wagging, backyard-hanging, and, of course, companionship. And what breed would you say Satchmo is? I'd have to go with maybe a lavish terrier hound chihuahua-looking kind of mix. Tremendous dog. Mm, I'd also like to point out Satchmo's coloring, a white, gray, brown, black brindle, simply marvelous. You know, it's such a treat to watch a dog like this. Now, let's see him in action. Look how he makes eye contact with his person. That's actually known as the treat stare. How intuitive. And now he appears to be excitedly turning in circles. Ah, the happy dance, so common with this group. And finally, the loving face lick. It's great how he just gets in there and, well, licks. Fantastic. But really, the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Satchmo is to meet one. Visit the shelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. 
Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Ranger Station, Ranger speaking. Yeah, hi. Uh, I'd like to report a bear sighting. Location? In the forest near the side of the road. No need for alarm, sir. The forest is where bears live. But this was no ordinary bear. No ordinary bear? Yeah, one second I'm having a smoke taken in the view. Next thing I know, I am face to face with Smokey Bear. Let me guess, Smokey had a tip for you. He did. He must have seen me toss my cigarette on the ground. He told me never to do that because it only takes one spark to start a wildfire. He's a smart bear. Did you know that nine out of ten wildfires are caused by humans? That means nine out of ten wildfires can be prevented. That's what Smokey Smokey said. I had no idea. That's why Smokey's famous, and you're not. Good point. If you see someone in danger of starting a wildfire, step in and make a difference, because nine out of ten wildfires are caused by humans. Brought to you by Smokey Bear, the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Only you can prevent wildfires. Hey, guys. Let's play some video games. This new dad plays video games with his sons. But the challenge feels like he's lifting a metric ton. So many buttons. His avatar just stares at the walls, twists and turns and somehow falls. Help me. He's tangled up in the controller's cord. I just don't understand this crazy digital world. Crazy, crazy digital world. But the love from his kids is totally apparent. Ooh. See, you don't have to be perfect to be the perfect parent. You should have just played catch. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of siblings in foster care will take you just as you are. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. I'm Paul George of the Indiana Pacers. When I was six, I had one thing on my mind. When I was six, my days were spent playing basketball every chance I could. When I was six, my dream was to make it to the NBA. When I was six, my mom had a stroke. So I want you to learn the signs of a stroke fast. F-A-S-T. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911. Because the sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in their recovery. I'm Paul George. Protect the ones you love. Spot a stroke F-A-S-T. Fast. Life is why. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Hey, kids, let mom help with your science project. This new mom wants her kids' science project to thrive. Too bad she hasn't cracked a science book since 1985. A metathesis reaction? Compounds, mixtures, and elements. Even this baking soda volcano is too big of an experiment. Whoa. Now she's completely forgotten the periodic table. Now she's burning a hole through the kitchen table. Burning with science. But her kids' love for the mom is truly transparent. Look, you don't have to be perfect to be the perfect parent. Don't tell Dad. 
have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of siblings in foster care will take you just as you are. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, I think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. This is David Montaigne, author of End Times in 2019, and you are listening to Paratruth Radio. All right, folks, welcome back to Paratruth Radio, right here at paratruthradio.com, as well as Spreaker.com. As we've been saying, if you are listening on Spreaker, come on over to paratruthradio.com, look in licking okay (laughs) (laughs) click on the listen live feed and um you can join us in our chat room and ask questions to us or to our guest that way Uh, as eric said earlier we will be opening the phone lines for you guys to give us a call as well and ask the guests or ourselves questions but that will be after our next break so we've been talking to gordon melton about the vampire book now gordon uh one thing that uh has always fascinated me is authors that are fascinated with the vampire. One of my all time favorites, which is in the book is Anne Rice and the, the vampire Chronicles, uh, with Lassat. And the one thing I really wanted to ask you is why do you think that writers are so fascinated with, with the vampire? Uh, excellent question. <laughs> That's one of the things I've been trying to figure out too. The uh, the number of uh, of authors who've gotten into the vampire, not just writing one book here or there, but you know, spending their whole life writing about vampires. Right. Chelsea Quinn Yarbrough written twenty more books uh, very successfully on the vampires. Uh, Fred Sagerhagen wrote a dozen vampire books about his Dracula character and now Cheryl Lynn Kenyon is is kind of at the top of the list uh, uh, Charlene Harris and the like um, I, I think that the, the vampire does a couple of things it's a fascinating character for young adults because the, the vampire deals with basic uh, anxieties that that uh, young adults are uh, trying to wrestle through um, anxieties about sexuality, about powerlessness. Um, uh, as you get older, the vampire is dealing with anxieties about death and mm-hmm. whether there'll be anything uh, in the afterlife. And uh, the vampire kind of offers a, 
a version of the afterlife that's not great, but at least it's not annihilation, right. so to speak. Uh, but uh, essentially for all of us, the vampire talks about relationships, and uh, we strive for relationships that with uh, people who are our equals, with people that we can share, they share back with us, we can build intimacy with. But most of our relationships are imbalanced. Um, in most of our relationships, one person is more powerful than the other person. And that's the the very essence of, of what the vampire uh, is about and what the vampire can do. And I, I think this is one of the reasons why there's so many female vampire writers now, is that uh, the vampire is, has become an excellent instrument for them to explore the imbalance and the very traditional imbalance of relationships between men and women. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm uh, two weeks from now. There's going to be a a huge conference of romance writers in Dallas that I'm going to, and I notice that uh, on the program there's a whole bunch of the writers who uh, have written multiple uh, vampire books. Uh, Heather Graham, for example, I think's written 20 vampire novels, and. Uh, there are two or three of them there that turn one out every year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, <clears throat> going off of the whole uh, writing them in books, uh, just media in general, film in particular, mm-hmm. when, the, when the vampires first started appearing in film, they, were, they appeared as these horrific beings that were out to kill. And you think of a... Nasratu, for example, or Fright Night, uh, with this evil type of vampire. Uh, even right. the early Buffy the Vampire Slayer film and uh, TV shows. But over the past so many years, it's slowly changed and developed to be these young, almost playboy, modelistic type creatures that don't really harm people, <laughs> but are just like these sexual beings. And they Why sparkle. And they sparkle. Uh, yeah, remember when they used to die in the, in the sunlight? <laughs> right. And now they're these golden gems. Um, why do you think that happened? Why do you think the change? Well, I, th- I think there are two things that happened. I, I think that that um, by by the 1960s, we were running pretty thin of the, of, uh, the storylines for the evil vampires. Uh, so we begin. There, there were two other kind of vampire characters that showed up. One was the, the what we call the conflicted vampire. That's that's Anne Rice's uh, mm-hmm. vampire character. Who's uh, they? They are vampires, and uh, but they're worried about the fact they have to kill to live, and uh, they they go on and do it, but they they uh, they're they're conflicted about it they, they they agonize about it and that that's part of what has supplied the dynamics that made pushed in rice to the front but then there's the other guy there's the good guy vampires we call him the vampire who's ethical retains his humanity his sense of conscience doesn't like to kill uh, but is able to take the power that comes with being a vampire and turn it into something 
positive and good. And, and Chelsea Quinn Yarbrough is the first one who really did something with that. And uh, and then it's that vampire that got into the romance uh, world, and then it's that vampire that became acceptable to uh, uh, young people. So you could mm-hmm. write. Uh, it, it's hard to write novels about bad bad vampires for teenagers. Uh, the censors would get to you pretty quickly. Um, And so uh, you get the the good guy vampires, that uh, angel that uh, hangs around with Buffy for uh, uh, quite a while, Uh, Nick Knight, the old Forever Knight uh, television show. He was a a good guy. And uh, and then, of course, Steffi Myers, uh, Cullen family, uh, William and all, uh, they, they come along like that. And <clears throat> once you got those other two kinds of vampires, you didn't lose the bad guy. The bad guy is still there. Uh, I Am Legend, uh, one of the mm-hmm. biggest vampire movies of all time, the bad guy. Uh, Dracula is still hanging around. Uh, but once you get these other two guys, then you open the vampire up to all kinds of storylines that just the monster vampire is not uh, capable of. And and then you can have fairly exciting storylines about good vampires versus bad vampires. Mm-hmm. And um, that that that's one of the things that's allowed the vampire to just uh, uh, grow and expand and permeate the culture in the way it has now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I, and and uh, the other thing that happens is, especially with these writers who we were talking about that, that writes a series of vampire books, not just one, but fifteen or twenty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, each of them has to have a unique approach, uh, and one of the ways they have they develop their uniqueness is that they take the old vampire story basically the Dracula story, and they say, Here, here's what the vampire looks like. But I think vampires look a little bit different, so that out of the 20 characteristics of a vampire, they'll change five of them. Mm-hmm. And so that's enough to, to vary the story and give, give their character uh, his own, her own uniqueness. And um, I call it playing with the vampire. So every screenwriter and every author comes along and plays with the, the traditional image of the vampire and creates their unique vampire character which then fits their new storyline right well all right to get away from the the fictional compared to the the lore uh mm-hmm. one one thing that uh i came across in the book and something it's something that eric and i have done a show on is the chupacabra and it, do you think that the chupacabra is actually just another manifestation of the vampire lore here in in the North America, South America area, or is this a completely different creature altogether? Uh, I, I think it's a, a mixture of um, sort of the the old cattle mutilation myth that uh, was hanging around in the 60s and 70s uh, and and the vampire and that you, you remember that, that the vampire bat is a is a Latin American kind of creature um, 
it's it's down in Mexico and Central America and in Spanish speaking areas. And I think the chupacabra is is sort of a uh, development that comes out of of kind of mixing whatever was mutilating the cattle in the 60s and 70s with the vampire bat from from uh, Mexico and Central America. And it, it comes up with, and maybe a little bit of coyote uh, to create it. I, I don't know whether chupacabra really exists or not. Right, well, I mean, uh, they, they thought that it was a coyote with mange and that's where it all came from but mm -hmm. a lot of people say that's not true right right yeah there, there's a uh, there's a whole set of of, uh, of people who, who believe chupacabra is a, a real being and uh, I must admit in terms of getting out and doing field work I've not been able to do that with the chupacabra yet uh, I'd like to but uh, uh, as as best I can figure out, that's that's what it that's where it fits. Right. Uh, um, if if I were writing a book about chupacabra, I would I would go and get myself familiarized with the with the cattle mutilation uh, material uh, and put it in that kind of a context. Right. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> Now, one of the things uh, that I'd like to touch on, and I know you've touched on in the book as well, is the Christian perspective of vampirism. Uh, mm -hmm. Throughout your research, what have you come across to how exactly Christians approach this particular topic? Because I know some of them are kind of laid off, you know, lay off it, and there's others that are just, you know, they're on top of it. Yeah, uh Part of the dynamics of, of what's going on with, with vampires is uh, the, the original vampire stories that we, we start with and, uh, are basically from the 18th century, the early 1700s and in Eastern Europe. And those are lands in which the ruling elite were Catholic and the people themselves were Eastern Orthodox. <laughs> and these two groups, while they're both very Christian, happen to have a very different approach to the handling of dead bodies. Mm -hmm. um, for Catholics, they want to uh, uh, preserve a body. Uh, they want to bury it intact. And once it's buried, they don't want to have anything to do with it again. It's, they bury it, and it's there until the resurrection. Mm -hmm. But with Eastern Orthodox, it's very different. Uh, for them, uh, they, they take the body and they bury it once, and then they go back and dig it up three months, six months later. And in that time... The flesh is supposed to have been eaten away. The the worms and the little animals in the ground come and eat all the flesh and just leave the skeleton. Mm -hmm. So they they dig up the body, wash, clean the skeleton, and then they put it back in the ground permanently. And every once in a while, they go and dig up a body, and <laughs> the flesh is still there. 
And every once in a while they dig it up, and not only is the flesh there, it looks like the body's uh, still, you know, just as it was the day it was buried, even better. It, it, it looks fresh. Uh, it looks like the fingernails have grown, the teeth have grown, uh, etc. The, the uh, flesh is red, as if it's gotten an infusion of blood. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's in part, that's really where our uh, understanding of the vampire comes from. Because they, they would say at that point that, that the afterlife has not received this person. Uh, the death didn't take the flesh. It's still there. So they're in a limbo state between life and death. Hmm. And um, the uh, the original vampire stories are stories about that. And um, the, the most famous one occurs in 1725 when the Surgeon General of the old Australia, Austrian Empire comes to Serbia, digs up some bodies, and the villagers are all concerned about vampirism because they've, they've got people that are dying. And so they treat the body as uh, Eastern Europeans would treat a vampire. And they come back and tell the Queen of Austria what they've done, and she's horrified because good Catholics don't treat bodies that way. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but that's... Uh, that's where our story of the vampire really comes from. Okay. Hmm. All right. Um, I think we'll take our next break. Uh, so, uh, Eric, why don't you give them that phone number for after the break? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to call in uh, within the next 20 minutes here, you can call at 701 204 4547. You can call in, you can ask any questions you would like. If you have a story of your own that you would like to share and perhaps get our opinion on it, uh, feel free to do so. Again, the phone number is 701-204-4547. All right, folks. Uh, You are listening to Paratruth Radio right here at paratruthradio.com as well as Spreaker.com. As we keep saying, join us at Paratruth Radio if you like and uh, jump into our chat room. It's actually the best way for us to interact with you, especially before we open up the phone lines. So if you guys ever have questions for us, questions for the guests, it's usually the best place to to get those questions in there before we open the phone lines. And then uh, if you're listening on Spreaker, that's great. That's fantastic. I'm glad you guys are listening as well. You can also listen on your smartphone using the Spreaker app. And then um, if you can ever get to a computer, you know, during that time, definitely jump into our chat room. We'd love to hear from you. Um, we are going to have Eric's Random Fact and your Paranormal Headlines, and we will be right back. Start with the headlines. Now, Eric's Random Fact of the Day. And now, Parachute Radio's Paranormal Headlines. 
Hey, parafans, Justin here with your paranormal headlines. Prehistoric insect found trapped in amber. A 100 million year old predator cockroach has been found perfectly preserved in a piece of amber. The movie Jurassic Park explored the idea of obtaining the DNA of a dinosaur by extracting it from a blood sucking insect trapped in amber, a feat that then enabled scientists to clone the creatures for an exhibition in a safari park that didn't go quite according to plan. While there's no dinosaur DNA to be had in this latest specimen, it has nonetheless provided scientists with the unique opportunity to examine in intricate detail the remains of a prehistoric insect that was quite unlike any that are alive today. Resembling something similar to a praying mantis, the 100 million year old cockroach appeared to have been a nocturnal predator that hunted down and preyed upon other insects. The unique adaptations, such as strongly elongated extremities and freely movable head on a long neck, suggest that these animals were pursuit predators, wrote researchers Peter Voronsky and Gunter Beckley in a new paper describing the discovery. T-Rex's vegetarian cousin unearthed in Chile. Fossil remains of a turkey-sized relative to the meat-eating behemoth were found by a seven-year-old boy. Named Chilesaurus Diego Cerezi, after the country in which it was first discovered, the peculiar-looking dinosaur was a bizarre amalgamation of several other species with a bird-like beak for eating plants and strong hind legs like those of a theropod. Its unique mix of physical characteristics has since earned it the nickname the platypus, after the semi-aquatic duck-billed Australian mammal that was originally thought to be a hoax when explorers first reported seeing it back in the late 18th century. Chilesaurus constitutes one of the most bizarre dinosaurs ever found, said study co-author Fernando Novas of Argentina's Natural History Museum. At the beginning, I was convinced that we had collected three different dinosaurs, but when the most complete skeleton was prepared, it became evident that all the elements pertain to a single dinosaur species. Describing the creature as an evolutionary jigsaw puzzle, Novas and his team believe that Chilesaurus represents a whole new type of theropod dinosaur that could change, among other things, our current understanding of the evolution of birds. The pint-sized oddity is thought to have lived at the very end of the Jurassic era, around 145 million years ago, well before its much bigger cousin Tyrannosaurus rex ever appeared on the scene. And this has been Justin with your Paranormal Headlines. This was a segment of Parachute Radio's Paranormal Headlines. There's always been a small war between left-handed and right-handed people. I know growing up in high school, middle school, even elementary school, many right-handed people would give me a weird look for being left-handed and would even call me evil. Well, this is interesting and though it doesn't tell us that left-handed are people, a recent study did find that left-handed people earn up to 12% less money than right-handed people. This was Eric's 
of the day. All right, folks, welcome back to Paratruth Radio right here at paratruthradio.com as well as Spreaker.com. As Eric said before the uh, break, we do have our lines open now, 701-204-4547. If you'd like to give us a call and ask the guest, uh, the guest questions <laughs> or ask ourselves questions, uh, you can also hop in our chat room on paratruthradio.com and ask there. Uh, Spreaker does have a chat as well. If you guys want to ask on Spreaker, I am making sure that I pay attention to both. So go ahead and ask questions there if you like as well. Um now, uh, Gordon, we've been talking about the vampire, and we kind of touched base on where this lore comes from uh, just before the break here. Now, do you believe that the vampire is really a creature, or is it just people trying to explain what exactly was happening to bodies when they were decomposing or not decomposing? <laughs> uh, I, I think the, the vampire that... Uh, uh, we make popular in the movies the the, the revenant the, the the dead person who comes back and sucks blood out of the of his victims. I don't think that exists. I, I think where we started from in terms of the psychic vampire, if there's any truth to the vampire, uh, to what we think of as the vampire, it's it's what the what we call the psychic vampire. Um, that's very much a part of the lore. It becomes very important in the 19th century, and um, that that's the part that's carried on. And if you move among what's called the real vampire community today, that's the part that that's what they would uh, uh, want to talk about as well. Mm-hmm. Now, I know throughout history, and we just recently discussed. Um, Christians burying vamp- or people and then digging them back up to find out whether or not they're vampiric or not. One of the things that have come to over the past many years now uh, throughout history is bodies that have been dug up, or dug up that happen to have a brick or a rock in their mouth or their heads chopped off and placed at the feet. Now, according to history or legend, these particular uh, skeletons that they dig up and they find, you know, the, the brick in the mouth and stuff is all based on a possibility that this person was a vampire at some point. How do you think people back then or even today discern whether or not someone was a vampire uh, before putting them in the ground? Uh, there, there were several things. There, there were a, a set of criteria that um, different cultures had of what constitutes a vampire and what would would predispose a person to be considered a vampire. Um, if a person, uh, and, and you have to remember this is village culture that we're talking about, mm-hmm. not urban culture. If a person died by accident away from their village, that, that was a sign. If a person had unusual birthmarks, if a person had been born with a call over their face, those are among the, the things that would constitute that they were possibly a vampire. Um, there, were, there were actually several slightly more humorous signs. Um, if a widow became pregnant 
during uh, the morning period in, in uh, Eastern Europe and Slavic countries, for example, if your husband died, you were supposed to mourn him for a year. And if you became pregnant during that time, when you were supposed to be in mourning, uh, one of the ways you would explain that is to say that, well, my husband came back as a vampire and impregnated me. <laughs> uh, and uh, the, the, the child born of that pregnancy would be, have a special status and would be called a dampir. Uh and uh, in, there are still dampiers in Eastern Europe. If, if you went to Romania or Serbia uh, today, you could track down uh, dampiers. <laughs> uh, uh, the vampire belief is still very much alive uh, in those parts of the world. Uh, so there, there were signs, and if you went and dug up the body, after three months in the ground, and if you if a person died during the winter, this is, this is something very likely that could happen. Um, <clears throat> and that body was still uh, preserved. Uh, animals had not gotten to it, and uh, of course, in this modern age, when you have coffins, family, um, that will tend to protect the body. And if the body has not decomposed. Uh, then, then people would consider that a, a, a vampire. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that we think uh, happened, particularly in the 18th century, early 19th century, is that tuberculosis, the wasting disease, would hit a community, and uh, that would be a likely thing that could cause a vampire panic. Um, if, if people just started wasting away, if people didn't understand tuberculosis, and uh, you'd have a series of people who died of a wasting disease, and it would appear that they would, they would grow pale and uh, weak before their death, and uh, it would take them a long time, a year or two, to die, and um, that uh, you could get people believing that they were there was. Uh, uh, a vampire loose among them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we are coming close to the end of the show. So, Gordon, I wanted to give you a chance to tell everybody where they can find you and where they can find your books. <clears throat> well, they can find the vampire book, uh, you know, at the common places, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. And uh, uh, every once in a while you run across it at a used bookstore, although I, I haven't seen that many. Uh, copies of it there for a big book. It's fairly inexpensive, and uh, so you can can pick up a copy. But you want to get the third edition. It's uh, uh, the first and second editions are collector's items now, but <laughs> it's, the third edition is the one that's that's uh, up to date and uh, the one that uh, is useful to you. Uh, the uh, uh, I, I teach at Baylor University. If people wanted to get in touch with me, they can track me down on the on the Baylor site. I, I would like to uh, put in a plug. A colleague of mine, uh, Dax Stokes, who is the librarian at uh, Corinth State College uh, right in the Dallas suburbs, uh, is putting on a, a big program on Halloween of Empire uh, day Halloween's on Saturday this year and 
October 31st, he's uh, sponsoring an all-day vampire program. That's uh, uh, people can search it out on the internet. Uh, they uh, kind of plug in vampire Halloween Dallas. Uh, it'll <laughs> come up, I think. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, so that 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 would would be something that they could look forward to come this fall if they live in, in the Dallas area at all. Right. <laughs> what have you. All right. Well, thank you, Gordon, so much for being on. It's been a pleasure talking with you and hearing all the information that you have on this topic. Well, it's something that's, that's uh, kept me interested for several decades now, and uh, <laughs> I still find it fascinating. <laughs> As do we. Well, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I, I appreciate uh, your uh, uh, taking the time to uh, uh, converse with me on my favorite topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, have a good night. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, that was Jay Gordon Melton, author of The Vampire Book, The Encyclopedia of the Undead. Uh, go ahead, check out his book. You can find it on Amazon. Uh, just type, You can just type in uh, The Vampire Book uh, in Google, and it'll come up. And I'm telling you, if you're interested in vampires and you liked any of the information that you heard today, and, and you got a lot of information today, you will find six times as much right. in this yeah. book. I mean, it's... It's a thick book, um, and it's going to take you a good year to read at least, probably. Uh, Sadly, yeah. I was looking through this book today, and um, a, a little bit you know, here and there since we've had the book, and it literally is an encyclopedia. It goes from A to Z. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, there's just a ton of information so eventually you go on like brain overload and you got to take yeah. a couple days break yeah. uh but yeah it's a great book uh, very interesting again if you love vampires or are interested in the topic or in the uh creature if you so believe that they exist or don't exist you're just interested in the history this is a great great book to check out a lot of history in that book uh and i couldn't I couldn't plug it more because it, it just really is a good book and a great writer, too, behind it, an author. Yeah, and he was definitely an amazing guest. I mean, a, a lot of people will get on here and sometimes just express their personal opinion. Obviously, he's done the research. He he knows pretty much every lore that you could probably think of, mm-hmm. as well as the the fiction and the fantasy behind the numerous books and movies and everything else as well. Right, right. Um, but yeah, so pretty much that brings us close to the end here, folks. Uh, I'd like to go ahead and give out a little bit of information again real quick, uh, similar to what was passed out in the uh, beginning of the show. First and foremost, paratruthradio.com. That is our personal website for the radio show. You can listen to us live. You can listen to past recordings. Uh, you can just check out our biographies, our creative writings, or creative works, if you will, uh, which right now include a movie called The Revealed. Uh, and there's going to be more creative works joining that film soon. Um, and it, it's a good, you know, just check it out. Check out the, the, uh, the website. Uh, just, you know, see what you see. And we'd love to have you join us next week on paratruthradio.com as well so you can join us in the chat room. Um, also, 
If you have any questions whatsoever about this topic today, vampires, or any topic that we've ever covered, feel free to email us at paratruthradio at gmail.com. You can also, if you have any ideas for a particular topic or subject that you would like us to discuss, or you would at least like to discuss with us, let us know. Uh, again, paratruthradio at gmail.com. Also, this past Thursday... We were special guests on the Fourth Watch. That is the Fourth Watch Radio with Justin Fowle. You could check out that particular episode. It's called Paratruth Urban Legends at fourthwatchradio.blogspot.com. If you type Fourth Watch Radio in Google, it'll be the very first link that pops up. Uh, so check out that radio show. It Personally, I mean, I'm sure Justin will agree. I thought it was a great, great show that we did with Justin. Justin is, you know, an awesome guy. He's, he himself has a Christian uh, worldview as well. But like me and Justin, we find ourselves in the paranormal community somehow, down, somewhere down the line. Uh, and I'm telling you, there's a lot of inf information on Urban Legends, I think, in that particular episode. Well, and the one thing I like about Justin, too, is, like, we had him on our show when we were on Blog Talk Radio. And right, right. he, in the opinion of what we were talking about, he had a completely different opinion than both either you or I. But mm -hmm. we kept it respectful. Nobody raised voices. You know, it was a very professional show. And that is probably the most important thing coming from two different perspectives that I cannot emphasize enough mm -hmm. is respect. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. You know, we've, there's a lot of people out there, a lot of radio shows uh, that, that come on even, you know, not just internet radio shows, but mainstream shows. Um, or I don't know how to explain it, but <laughs> like on serious radio and so on and so forth. Where all they do is argue with everybody. Yeah. And I know a lot of people out there, they like that argument and stuff. If you're like me, it really gets you upset and just angry because, like, this is ridiculous and I'm annoyed. But yeah. if you want, like, a good, true, honest argument that is healthy, if you will, a healthy argument where people aren't cutting each other down uh, but just having a real-life, honest discussion, then, you know, I think Justin from The Fourth Watch uh, and me and Justin here on Parachute Radio they are good shows to to check out. And I'm not just saying that just because, you know, it's our radio show, Parachute Radio. But I, I really do believe that our discussions, even when we disagree, uh, whether it's the two of us disagreeing or us disagreeing with another guest on our radio show or if we're on their radio show, you're never going to hear I, any of us cut each other down. Uh, and that is the way I think a true professional radio show should be and any media for that matter should be right <clears throat> uh again i'm just going to plug it again fourthwatchradio.blogspot.com or fourthwatchradio at google just just type in fourthwatchradio on your uh, uh google search and it'll pop up four days ago paratruth urban legends awesome episode also next did were you going to add something Oh, um, I was just going to say, you guys can also, I did add a new tab for you guys to click on our uh, guest uh, appearances. And uh, Heidi from Talking Supernatural said she listened to the Fourth Watch show today, and we sounded fantastic, excellent show. 
Mm -hmm. I, and I also uh, know someone here in Lynchburg who happened to listen to the show as well and agreed that it too was a really good show. Uh, so, you know, it's not coming from us, folks. This is coming from listeners, from <laughs> right. fans, from people who aren't even fans and happen to be a fan of The Fourth Watch and we were on. So, you know, check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. It was a lot of fun. Also, this upcoming Sunday, or next Sunday, because we're already on Sunday. So yeah. next Sunday. Sunday, May 10th. May 10th. Folks, two radio shows with Paratruth Radio. The first one is at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Par your Paratruth Radio co-hosts, or hosts, however you want to say it, are going to be special guests on the Deception Detection Show with Kay and Jerry. Uh, and that's on Spreaker. If you type in De uh, Deception Detection Show on Google, I believe it'll pop right up for you. And you can check out their site and where to find them. And that's going to be a very interesting show, I think, as well. Uh, Justin, if you can remind me, do you know exactly what the conversation is that we're having on there, what the topic is? Uh, actually, they're going to be interviewing us about interview. our paranormal lives. Um, okay. And this is actually their debut premiere show on Spreaker. So please come listen and <laughs> uh, you know support them, support us as well. Uh, as Eric said, Jerry is a good friend of ours who has been listening to Paratruth Radio from almost the very big beginning. Um, it, it could have been from the very beginning, but I don't honestly remember. It's been that long already. <laughs> it's going on a, a year for Paratruth Radio, which is awesome. Um, and you guys, you know, you've heard us always say we've been in, in paranormal podcasting radio, whatever you want to call it, for on and off about five years. Um and I have to say that by far, Paratruth Radio is my favorite out of all of the shows so far. Night Stalkers, which was on Blog Talk Radio as well as Para-X Radio, uh, was our beginning show and was rather <laughs> beginner. <laughs> I guess that's one way to put it. <laughs> very, very vulgar at times. And, you know, it it, it has evolved much more into a a respectable show as well as we've learned a lot you know mm -hmm. over the well i agree and you know i think part of it too is we started night stalkers at a relatively young age uh and i think over the years as we've matured so is our radio programming yeah um and i think anyone who had listened to us from the beginning with night stalkers would see that difference significantly and i know quite a few people have followed us since then uh and agree that the show is getting much better, and I think we still have a lot of work to do, personally. But and it's coming. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, and I per I'm personally up to the challenge, and it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, again, deception detection show with Kay and Jerry that'll be on Spreaker.com. Uh, you, you'll we'll post more stuff about that over throughout the week in yeah. our uh, over Facebook. Uh, you can so you can check us out at FairTruthRadio or Facebook.com forward slash FairTruthRadio. My apologies. Uh, and actually, and one thing I have to add, too, is in all the contact stuff, except for our phone number, uh, you can go to contact us on paratruthradio.com, and there is a contact box, which will go straight to our email if you're on Paratruth listening and you just want to do it that way really fast while you're mm -hmm. hearing us say that, um, as well as the the tabs for our Facebook and Twitter accounts. Okay. 
And so, uh, yeah, so again, check us out, Deception Detection Show with Kay and Jerry. You get to listen to us, talk about us, which is by far probably some of our favorite topics. Yep, um, by far. We love talking about ourselves. We're as selfish that's, as that sounds. <laughs> right. We're <laughs> not as not, vain as that sounds. <laughs> no, we, we really aren't. But honestly, I think what it is is we've – Justin and I, obviously, we're cousins. We're family. So there's a history right there. And I think we've been through a lot of stuff together and separately that's just – really been compiled to make the show what it is today and you know sometimes we have a lot of fun on the show well and honestly but, too we, you know over the years we've become best friends as well even right, though we right. are family which is thicker than anything you can think of but eric and i have grown up together since he was born since i'm older than he is <laughs> <laughs> and you know we were always close and you know when we started uh Night Stalkers Radio is actually when we started becoming much closer just because we did have the paranormal investigation team. Uh, we were working out all the time together prior to that. But, you know, this has actually brought us closer together, not just because it's something we're doing together, but we'll discuss stuff and Eric will shed light on something. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know what? You're you're actually kind of right. I I didn't even see it that way and eric will i'm sure feel the same way sometimes he'll hear me say something and be like i see where you're coming from but you know from from my perspective from my christian perspective that that's not how it should be viewed right yeah and so you know definitely check it out uh sunday 6 p.m i've plugged it like a billion times already i'm sorry i'm going to do it one more time deception detection <laughs> show <laughs> with Kay and jerry that'll be sunday at 6 p.m eastern standard time but like i said it's a double header so after that i believe it's about an hour long or so maybe a little longer we paratruth will have a one hour break then at 8 p.m we want everyone to join us at paratruthradio.com or on spreaker.com for Paratruth Radio, for the Paratruth Radio Show. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it because I never caught it, the Paratruth Radio Show, but that's right. what it is. Uh, so you can join us uh, for two shows that day, double header. One, we're guests. The second time, we are hosts, and we will be discussing voodoo, which is something that is very interesting, I think, to both of us. We haven't really discussed it that much over the years. But we have both done our research. We have talked to people who have been in voodoo. I personally have spent quite a bit of time in voodoo as well. I was going to um, say, at one point before we had gone through being saved again, uh, we were looking into voodoo to protect ourselves from things that we were doing ghost hunts with. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, Heidi brought something up really fast in chat uh, that apparently today is National Paranormal Day. Well, ladies and gentlemen, happy, happy Paranormal Day. Yep. <laughs> um, if I would have known that, I would have mentioned that first thing right. at the beginning of the I show. I haven't seen anything anywhere that said that. So <laughs> Me either. Uh, but yeah, so two shows next Sunday. 6 p.m. East, starts at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, hour break, and then 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You'll get much more information about both of those shows over the week, throughout the week. So stay tuned to Facebook.com forward slash Paratruth Radio or Twitter.com forward slash Paratruth Radio. And uh, we look forward. We really, really, truly look forward to seeing all of you, all of our para fans, uh, next Sunday. So uh, I hope everyone has, personally, I hope everyone has a great, great week. Uh, 
and, and just keep it paranormal out there, guys. Absolutely. All right, folks, we will talk to you guys next week. I'm Justin. And I'm Eric. Have a good night. Peace. Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it.